Well, good morning, Central Vineyard. Uh, it's Jeff. I'm glad you got to uh, spend some time with Adrian last week on our uh, service stream, and uh, you got me this week. And we're tying up our series on uh, Strong Souls for Trying Times, where we've really been interacting with the story of Moses and taking our cues from uh, Ruth Haley Barton's book, uh, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. She also wrote sacred rhythms and if you can ever go on youtube and get a talk by ruth haley barton you need to hear this amazing brilliant woman and her uh books and teachings are really good in soul cultivation and it's been interesting to have uh be leading the series strong souls for trying times when i've been through one of the more trying times in my life in the last several years many of you know that uh I've been essentially spent three months living in Florida caring for my dad as his health declined and eventually uh, he died on the 18th of January and it's still uh, not real to me. Uh, I feel, I felt sometimes weird talking about the grief I'm feeling uh, from losing my dad because everyone loses their parents unless they die before their parents, and that's even more tragic when parents bury their kids, but there's really nothing more normal than losing a parent. My dad was 74, but even then, um, it's no less painful than when my mom died at 44 before I'd finished college. You know, even though he got all those years, I still feel that void, and I remember talking with my sister and we were just both realizing, you know, we've never quite got over losing mom. And uh, a lot of times grief comes from regrets. And I can't say I have a ton of regrets. My dad and I, especially the last 15, 20 years, have grown so much closer. We had some real difficult years there. But having uh, grown closer to the point where if he was in town, he lived in Ohio half time, if it was a choice between anyone else and my dad, I'd hang out with my dad. Uh, we were best buds. I called him almost every single day for the last 10 years. And we would just talk. And even now, certain things, certain idiosyncratic interests about music or other well, weird sense of humor, or other things, I'll get these triggers where I'm ready to call my dad. And I'm like, oh, there's no one to call. So it's been interesting uh, going into the situation and there were a lot of complexities surrounding it that I'm not able to really go into, but uh, how much this material we've been teaching about and really uh, talking about Ruth Haley Barton's book has been so relevant to my life and just being able to survive. So I'm uh, sharing uh, this week, uh, this is the last of this discussion on her material. Then we have next week, and then we have our Lent series. And our Lent series is about revitalization. It's about rebirth. It's about coming alive. And it's really the vision for Central Vineyard going forward, uh, having come through 2020, and life is still very complex, but really feeling a strong mandate for God's for some kingdom activity. I'm so excited about Lent. We'll be talking more about that next week, what to expect and how you can participate. But this is the last service of Strong Souls for Trying Times, specifically talking about the death of Moses and uh, the idea of re-envisioning the promised land. And it touches a lot on disappointment and 
elements of our lives not working out the way we thought they would. And some of this may seem like a downer, but it actually is really uh, some ideas that have been in particular a comfort to me, uh, especially over the last uh, year or two, that I'm really excited to be able to share with you. So I'm going to start out by reading uh, the death of Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 34. And it says this, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho to the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor was his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So, seems like quite a bummer. Moses, who led his people out of slavery uh, with a promise of having their own homeland and he doesn't even need to go in, it seems kind of cruel. Obviously, uh, we, we know that Joseph lost the plot a few times and this kind of was a penalty of that. We don't understand it. At least I don't quite understand it. Seems pretty severe. But uh, as far as the Torah goes, this is the end of Moses' story. But the, the events that God used him to set into motion continue to affect the world to this very day. So Moses kind of set uh, this uh, movement of this next story of the kingdom to this uh, the full establishment of Israel to the point of eventually culminating in the birth of Christ in the first century and now or a few BC and we're dealing with the implications of it but he did not get to go to the promised land he in fact died but he was able to see what it was going to look like so in this uh series we were specifically thinking about the need of strong souls to engage the chaos of our culture because it's not healthy just to separate we have to be fully relationally engaged with the world around us and our neighbors and our culture, but we need strong souls. And thinking about what does it mean for us to live in union with Christ while being connected to others. And a couple ideas we've been talking about is, uh, you know, not holding on tightly to this idea that we can control our lives. Rather, we can we can uh, uh, allow the Lord to empower us to be responsible for our responses and how we show up in the world, but we don't have control over external variables. Uh, how slow is the order of our lives? As culture uh, continues to speed up, we do not speed up. 
uh, hurry up and slow down. We see uh, Jesus throughout the Gospels uh, lived a life where even in the, in the ancient Near East where there was no email and there was no electricity and there was no working 24 hours through the night, none of that, Jesus was even slow by his culture standards. And we often see instances where the people around him were impatient with how slow Jesus was. So this idea that we're not in control, that slow is the order of every day, uh, that solitude is a path to freedom, not separation from everyone, but spending regular time in solitude so we can be truly connected to God and to others in an emotionally healthy way. That solitude is a path to freedom that empowers our engagements, doesn't end our engagements. And the lessening of the, the, the importance of other people's opinions. You know, we live in a culture where we're always talking about influencers and the idea that what people think impacts how we live our life. If this person likes this, then I want to like it too. Even if they don't know who I am, these outside opinions influence in that the idea of a strong soul is freed up from the influencer trap because our true influence is a relationship with an unconditionally loving God who loves our souls and loves us. And also this idea that performance or status defines us, that our identity, and this ties into what we're talking today, our identity transcends whether we accomplish or do everything we think we were supposed to accomplish or do, or whatever the level of success we thought called to or that we thought was promised to us, that our identity is firm in God's love, even if we don't reach what we thought we could reach or achieve what we thought we could achieve. And the end all be all is living within the reality that we are precious to God and we are deeply loved no matter what, because that is the key to resilience. The strong soul is a soul, A, that is loved, B, that knows it. So we have a dealing with disappointment is disappointment is not a result of failure. Sometimes disappointment is a result of failure, but disappointment is a reality, whether we fail or not. Whether we do something right or wrong, if we do everything correct, there's still a tremendous amount of disappointment we're gonna encounter in life. I, uh, I wanted to be present and be with my dad and be able to be present to him in a very specific way during his final days and literally being able to be with him, like holding his hands, you know, massaging his arm, me on one side, uh, Ian on the other, and my sister praying and just uh, kind of cradling him. And then he slipped away. And I couldn't imagine, I mean, I asked that I could be there. We were worshiping. We are singing, actually, we were singing this song, Better Is One Day uh, in Your Courts, you know, that, that song. And it was interesting if, you know, my dad was kind of a little autistic savant and chronic list maker, and I have his laptop, and he literally, he didn't use notational velocity or simple note or anything like that. He literally had a separate Word document for every single thing he was interested in, thousands of these. And he had a list of, like, best burgers I have ever had. And it's like an aerial font just laid out really stoically, but he lists them. Uh, best Beach Boys songs ever. Best, 
uh, you know, just these crazy lists. In fact, I found out he would copy controversial posts I uh, wrote on Facebook. He would copy them into a document and then would write different thoughts he had, different things he wanted to research based on this thing that, that he may have wanted to challenge that I wrote or something like that. But in that, I found favorite worship songs. And this was several days after he died and his favorite one was Better, Better Is One Day. And that was a song we felt kind of led to sing just a minute or so before he died. And so I was thinking like, that couldn't have happened better, but I still feel so much disappointment of all the pain he was in leading up to his death, all how much he suffered, profoundly suffered the last three months, the last three years. So no matter what, just God was so present. I can't argue that God wasn't present in how these things were able to go down with my dad, but I can't also uh, neglect how much disappointment I feel. So I look at Moses, I mean, achieving the goal of liberating his entire nation, but dying, not being able to enter the promised land. And that juxtaposition of so much influence for the kingdom and so many great things that came after he died, yet the disappointment of not actually getting to enter himself. And uh, I've been thinking, uh, contemplating this, I'm 50 years old, well, coming up on 50 in a couple months or several months here, um, but I really feel this halftime in my life and so much that I've aspired to do has not worked out to the extent or the quality that I thought it would. The goals and dreams I had for my life that I thought would happen before or long before age 50 haven't happened the way I imagined them. Having said that, I have experienced the love and the power of God and seeing lives transformed and uh, people experience the love of God and seeing uh, injustice addressed and seeing uh, peace and flourishing come upon so many people. And I, it's like, it's a dream come true. At the same time, what I thought I was called to and what I was capable of doing, or even my personal capacities as a leader, I haven't been able to enter that promised land. There's things that I thought 20 years ago that I would be able to play a part of integrating and ushering in. And I've been passionate about those things. Like uh, one area was seeing like the contemplative and the charismatic and the social, just seeing just more of an integration in that and trying to live that out and help equip people. And then I've seen people, uh, a new generation of leaders younger than me who have been so effective at leading that. And part of me has this tinge, I wanted to play more of a role in that, but I haven't but it's happening. And so when I think of this, like I, I feel a sense of joy and supreme gratitude to God, but at the same time, I don't feel like I fully entered into the promised land in that. And I look at this, like when I look at the story of Moses, I realize my identity is not Jeff who accomplished this. My identity isn't Jeff who was able to do that. My identity isn't Jeff that was able to plant X amount of churches or lead this. My identity is Jeff. Man, he was sure loved by his dad. And being someone that was loved by his earthly dad unconditionally and someone who was, has been profoundly loved by my father in heaven unconditionally is my identity at the end of the day was, 
I got to hang out with God the Father and he got to use me at some of the work he was about. I got to play a role in that and he's included so many else. And whether I imagine it working out one way or another, I've been able to be a part of his loving presence and be welcomed by God. And the measure of my life isn't that if I feel called to lead people to a certain place, I'm gonna be the one that carries the ball over the line. Uh, my vision now is I get to play a part of God's bigger story. And uh, whether I feel like a success or failure, and that may depend on my mood or whether I'm in a season of depression or not, the one thing that doesn't change is I'm loved and I'm invited to play. And the chips fall where they will. And I've been thinking, my dad endured a lot of disappointment. He had always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but my dad was always more of like a finance uh, spread sheet kind of guy. He started, was a part of trying to start a business and it completely failed. Was, uh, when he tried to be entrepreneurial and do something brand new, it didn't work. But over the years, I saw him come alongside so many entrepreneurs and help them build a plan that helped them to succeed. Uh, I uh, been going through like all his sent messages for the last several years, trying to find out everyone who I need to contact to say, hey, my dad's uh, died. And I found that he had on my dad's hard drive, he had about a hundred people he was helping out with a lot of stuff, like working as kind of an unpaid consultant. And I need to kind of separate all this information out by each person and then get the files to that person and maybe get them a connection of someone who can help them moving forward because my dad's not there. And it's been looking at this as I couldn't fathom how many people he was able to help achieve dreams and whether it's going out on the mission field or starting a ministry or starting a church or this, that he's been an integral part of that he never got to do actually himself. And I feel like Moses was a part of, I mean, my dad's no Moses. Listen, okay, I know that. He's my dad, though. And I got to see that he helped people go to a land he was never able to enter. Uh, at one point years ago, when they still did CD-ROMs, I remember he worked on a project making all the, these papers, how churches get 501c3s and get their legal status. And he built all these templates that got put on this CD-ROM that was distributed to all new vineyard churches or church plants. And he got to assist so many people that he'll never meet. I, on his drive, I found so many different churches, 501c3 filings, that he had put all the work through so they didn't have to hire a lawyer. And it was just smooth. So he got to help people be entrepreneurial, but the businesses he tried to start failed. And I just, uh, I feel like uh, there's been so much that I've uh, failed at in my life. So many things I've tried to do where I've been a profound disappointment because you know I've said, hey, let's go do this. And it doesn't work like I expected to or like I tell the story. But I've seen God still move and God still work. So part of my soul resilience through disappointment has come from knowing I'm loved and I get to play a part in this collaborative work of God's kingdom so much bigger than any of us. And whether we see it or not, my, my dad, yeah, there's some things in the works right now that my dad uh, 
helped uh, get a start to that aren't even close to bearing fruit, but they will bear fruit. And he didn't see it in this life. He didn't see it happen in his life, but he played a role. And I'm excited to be able to personally kind of like play a part in uh, uh, carrying forward what he wanted. Uh, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot about me. I'm talking a lot about my dad, but it's really, I'm kind of, it's the only thing that's on my mind these days. I mean, it somehow connects to every thought I'm having. And it connects to this because uh, I don't feel like I expect to see everything I dreamed coming true in my lifetime, but I expect to be able to be a part of those dreams that are from God coming to fruition, whether they do through me or not. And that means when I see disappointment and I see setbacks, I can just fall back into God's arms of love and acceptance. So I wanna fast forward. Moses, first century Judaism, Moses was the central character. There was no better Jew, there was no better Israelite than Moses, even though he never entered the promised land. And then we have Jesus come on the scene in Matthew. And if you read the book of Matthew, like read it in chunks, it's divided up into five parts, kind of like the, the five parts of the Torah, the books of Moses. Uh, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the kids to, uh, try to put down Israel. Herod wanted to kill all the kids because he was threatened by the coming Messiah. Uh, uh, Moses grew up as a child in Egypt. Jesus' parents had to flee to Egypt to keep him alive. There's so many Jesus-Moses connections. And one of the kind of messages of the book of Matthew is Jesus is the fulfillment of everything Mo Moses was like a prototype of. Jesus is the real, true fulfillment. But there's a passage of this bizarre uh, paranormal experience in uh, uh, Matthew 17, one through two, where Jesus has some kind of communion on a mountaintop with uh, Moses and Elijah. Like out of all the two characters in the Old Testament, some apparition or some appearance, Jesus is uh, somehow ensconced in light. We don't really get much of a description, but he was glowing. And there was something about these apparitions where the disciples that were kind of able to spy on this knew that Moses was there and Elijah was there. And we read this, it says, Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took him, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Jesus hangs out with two characters from the entirety prehistory of Israel and Moses is right there at the top. Moses is close to the heart of Jesus. And it makes me think of what was written about Moses right after he was shown to have died and said this, since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. But what it started with, it said this, no one, uh, 
No prophet is risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Like Moses knew God. And then it mentions all these miraculous things. But the only thing we see when Moses makes the appearance with Jesus is Moses doesn't perform any miraculous work. Moses doesn't do anything that affects the whole trajectory of Israel. Moses is just there hanging out with Jesus. The most notable thing about Moses is he was in relationship with God. And through Jesus, and through the story of Jesus, living out that story, and through practicing solitude, spending time with him in worship and service and solitude and prayer and enjoy, we get to people that know Jesus too. We get to know God too. And that is the center of a strong soul. So those are just some thoughts. I love you guys so much. I can't tell you like what it is to be able to be, uh, you know, one of the lead pastors of Central Vineyard and to be a part of this church and to be a part of your lives, whether you've ever physically been with us or you just tune in. I just can't get over how blessed I am to be a part of this family. And uh, I wanna encourage you guys, we're gonna gather on Zoom after this. Get, encourage you to do that. Encourage you to join us next week as we get prepared for the Lent season that looks forward to Easter because in a way, uh, this theme of revitalization is uh, an engagement that isn't just before Easter. This is what's gonna carry us through our entire year and forward. And so I encourage you to really be closely knit in. We're gonna have a lot of different opportunities to connect online and maybe if the weather warms up, some outside connection as well. But I believe God has great things in store for us. So uh, see you on Zoom. God bless you.